Zach Wilson, I think, can actually be a league winner, right? Like, I think that Zach Wilson can actually be that go-to guy. And, you know, you probably made that – you probably got that championship belt last year, right? We oh, went yeah. from, Kings? from trophies yeah. – dude, the Kings belt. Like, that. I saw that belt. I didn't realize how heavy that belt was. That's a big sucker, man. You see the picture I tweeted my grandma with it? <laughs> no, I missed that. That's awesome. It was was so she able funny. to pick it up, or did you have to like put it on like her shoulder? She was outside, and she's like freaking ninety. Like she was outside just watering the flowers, and I was like, "Oh, Oma, like come look at this belt real quick." I was just gonna show it to her, and she takes it and throws it on her shoulder, and is like, "Why, <laughs> dude? That thing's like forty-five pounds or something." I know. I was, like, I was like, "Oh my, that thing weighs half your freaking size." Like, what are you doing? 10 out of 10 for me, man. That shit was legit. I We did a bulk order, I think, because like the past champions were able to uh, apply for it. So yep. it was a hundred bucks each, man. Hey, I, you know, I, I lose a hundred bucks on a, on a regular UFC card trying to trying to bet on whatever's going on. So at least that one gets to uh, stay in my mantle for a while. So trophysmack.com. Dude, they got these trophies that are like three or four feet tall. Like they're insane. You can get one with, like fishbowls on it. You can get one with like bobbleheads on it. It is sick, man. You guys got to go check out trophysmack.com. I mean, you heard it. Ian didn't even know. And he literally vouched for the company without even knowing the news vouching for it. Go check out trophysmack.com. While you're there, go enter in promo code CIRCLE. Once again, that's promo code CIRCLE. You will get a free ring valued at 60 bucks. So go check out trophysmack.com. Go enter in the promo code CIRCLE to get your free ring. going on everybody welcome on ncsa another episode of fantasy intervention i'm chase i'm your host and i'm joined by the wonderful brit underscore flynn over there on twitter what's going on brit how you doing i'm great how are you i'm doing very well i've got a brand new format coming at you for this waiver wire show it's very similar to our 2020 version of this where hey you know what there's there's opportunities to seize for the waiver wires and then there's times that you should probably hold off and we sit there and we look across all these different websites and you know these all these experts that are telling you what they would do but the reality is is like would they actually spend this fab on certain players would they actually go after these players would they you know would they invest would they put their money where their mouth is and i don't think a lot of them would i think that they're trying to create contact they're trying to create or i'm sorry content they're trying to uh, you know create clicks and we're here to, to kind of put a stop to that because you're going to end up wasting all your fab before the tail end of the year and before one of your major big time players actually has, you know, an issue and you have to go out there and spend some of your fab. So we're here to help you out with that. We're here to kind of discuss that. And we got a little bit of a new format. With that being said, Britt, where can we find you? What you got going on? I am writing for Fighting Chance Fantasy. You can check out a weekly DFS value article over there on fightingchancefantasy.com. And every Sunday morning, I do a start sit um, injury update show with Gary Haddow and Kevin Tompkins called The Calm Before the Storm. Love that. And of course, we're in the weenus, you know, division together over there for, uh, you know, the, the charity bowl. 
at Weenus. Oh, do you want to do you want to talk about that? No, I don't. It's very upsetting <laughs> for me. I'm very bad at losing, obviously. Like I, I kind of find it a compliment that I'm very bad in that league because that league is completely surrounded with like how to do the worst possible in fantasy football, and I, I obviously can't figure that out. So, oh, meanwhile, you're over there crushing it. Oh, <laughs> how did you get 130 points out of who was it? Jared Goff that I had to play this I, past week. Yep. Jared Goff, but then I've ended up with over 100 points on consecutive weeks with uh, Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts. You get that rushing upside, but then you still get the sacks. It's a (laughs) win-win double dip. (laughs) Love that. Absolutely love that for you, not for me, because I'm obviously failing ethically in that league. But let's go ahead and dive into this show. Oh, man, we've got a little bit of a doozy for you because there are some people that are like obvious, you know, that you want to pick up on your waiver wires. I mean, it's like no question. I mean, we've been talking about Miles Sanders now for weeks. I'm sorry, not Miles Sanders, excuse me, Kenny Gainwell for weeks. Uh, we've, we've been pounding that home, and now everybody's sitting there saying, go pick up Kenny Gainwell. And it's like, okay, it's probably too late at this point. You know, unless you're in a 10 man league, he's probably not going to be out there. But yet he's still on the top of everybody's waiver wire list. So let's go ahead and go through the no shit you should already have this person or no shit you should pick this person up uh, list for this. Okay. And our first one up on the board is going to be Trey Lance. All right, Trey Lance, no shit you should pick him up if he's out there on waivers. You know, if you're in a two-quarterback league, there's probably no chance of getting him. However, single-quarterback leagues, he is still available. We're looking at ESPN, 24.2% rostered. Obviously, with the injury going to Garoppolo, which we don't know if it was real or not, question mark. Uh, you know, it, it's something that's where Trey Lance, he performed at a very high level, gave you, what, 20 fantasy points or so in half of a game. Uh, is this no shit for you, or are you – um, off of Trey Lance as a waiver wire pickup. I think, you know, if you watch the film, he didn't look very great, but he's one of those cases where his rushing ability gives him huge fantasy value. Um, his upcoming schedule is honestly pretty soft. Um, he plays against Arizona, Indianapolis, Chicago, and then Arizona again. And not that Arizona is soft, their offense is going crazy, but he's going to have to throw and make plays to keep up with them. So I think those games, he's going to have huge fantasy value. And who knows if Garoppolo is going to come back? You know, everybody who drafted him early on as a stash did so just for this reason. And I think it might be his time to shine. So, yeah, I'm picking him up. When the, when the pressure was on, he started performing, and he was able to make plays with his legs. Debo Samuel was an immense, like, just the, the godsend for him. I mean, he literally looked at Debo Samuel in almost every single opportunity where he was pressured and needed to get rid of the ball, uh, and Debo performed for him. So hopefully that is the same case moving forward. Meanwhile, we have Jameson Crowder. Uh, you know, he's rostered in, what, 19.1% of leagues, which is just embarrassing. Jameson Crowder, the target hog over there. With Elijah Moore hurt, I mean, this is a no-shit type thing for me once again. Like, yeah, he should already be rostered. His first week back, seven receptions, nine targets, 61 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, is there anything else that you need to add to this to make sure that people should go out and grab Jamison Crowder? Well, I know people are a little bit kind of scared and put off by the Jets' offense just because it, it they kind of looked a little bad to begin the season. But Crowder back out there just adds a whole other dimension I mean, he's working as Wilson's security blanket. And yeah, Corey Davis is still going to get those deep ball looks, but Crowder is just a PPR monster. No, I'm 
right there with you. I just think it was, you know, it's something as to where, hey, you should already have him on your roster. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Elijah Moore moving forward if they actually share snaps. But this type of offense is the same offense that came from San Francisco. You can have relevant weeks from both Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel together and and hope for big things from Corey Davis as well as if the offense starts to click, obviously, with Zach Wilson. Uh, this schedule should ease up a little bit, and Jamison Crowder has an advantageous matchup moving into week five. All right, notion on Darnell Mooney. Um, I think it was shocking, actually. Do you want to go ahead and take Darnell Mooney on this one and, and tell us a little bit about what you typed up? Yeah, um, I'm really shocked that Mooney's only 46.1% rostered. Um, I know everyone's holding out hope for Allen Robinson, but Darnell Mooney has surpassed him as the wide receiver one in Chicago. Um, Mooney's outsnapped Robinson every week. He has more targets every week, more catches every week, and more yards. Um, bye weeks are coming up, and the week seven bye week is a monster for everyone. Luckily, Mooney's bye week is in week 10. So you want to kind of start thinking ahead, not just to pick up people for who got injured or who is out, but you have to start thinking about bye weeks now. And Mooney's a really viable player for your team. Absolutely. 100% agree with that. And it's a, a guy that can win you weeks individually. There are very few wide receivers that can go out and win you weeks. And Darnell Mooney's one of them, especially with where you got him. And if you're getting him on the waiver wires, no shit, you should probably already have him. Same thing with Curtis Samuel over there who got eased in to the performance. And, you know, sitting there and looking at his workload with only a 30%, 37% snap share. I mean, Dude, like uh, Curtis Samuel should not be on the the waiver wires right now. He's going to be a vital part of this offense. And you talk about Logan Thomas, Yummy Brown. They both got hurt, I believe. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with those guys in terms of how long they're going to be out for. So Curtis Samuel shouldn't be in a monster in that offense and should garner a good amount of targets regardless of, of who's at quarterback. So is there anything else that, you, that you'd like to add into Curtis Samuel over there? Or is it just, yeah, okay, like – we're wasting time talking about guys we don't need to talk about. Well, I think he also has viability as a gadget guy. That's how they kind of used him in Carolina. He got all these designed runs and like, yeah, he's working against Gibson and McKissick, but they're still going to figure out ways to incorporate him into this offense, doing what he does best as a gadget guy. Um, he also has, a pretty decent schedule. I wouldn't necessarily start him against new Orleans this week. Um, but then he's got the chiefs, Tampa and Seattle coming up. And again, Washington's defense is really bad. So they're going to need all the offensive help that they can get to stay competitive in these games. Oh man. I love him up against new Orleans. So you kidding me? I mean, we just saw Kadarius Tony in the slot smoke him. Of course, Curtis Samuel is up in the air as to where he actually plays, but yeah, I mean, they end up, they get worked in the slot. And if, if Curtis Samuel can get some snaps in the slot, which I hope that he does, I think that you could end up starting him over there, but yeah, I, I get it. You want to take your time. You want to be a little bit patient either way. He shouldn't be on your waiver wires. And last but not least, Sam Darnold, 27% roster. He is the next Lamar Jackson, right? Like he is that dude. Uh, you know, we don't even know what's happening over there. He's rushing for touchdown after touchdown, after touchdown. And he's always rushed by the way. He's always had wheels. But for him to be leading the league in rushing touchdowns for the quarterback position, that's absolutely insane. And I love it. I'm here for it. Yeah, and he just wasn't really utilized in New York the way that he should have been. His talents were really muted because he was trying to be put into the system that he just didn't thrive in. And they've done really well playing to his strengths and his talents. Um, 
he's got a favorable schedule. I really don't understand why he's still not rostered in so many leagues. Um, the upcoming schedule is the Eagles, Minnesota, the Giants, and then Atlanta. Um, McCaffrey could still be out for the foreseeable future. He's going to have to run more RPO plays, which just lets him scramble and use those wheels that he's been given. And I mean, he's a valuable fantasy asset going forward. No, I, I absolutely love that 100%. I really don't have anything else to add. Sam Darnold's a beast and should continue to perform at a very high level. He was one of my sleeper quarterbacks in the offseason, a player that I try to get on a lot of my rosters. So diving into it, this is the main part of the show, right? This is the meat and potatoes. This is where people are telling you to go out and grab these players. And we're looking at these roster percentages. We're looking at at these this fab percentages that they're telling to, to put out. And it's like, what are you thinking? Like, what is happening right now? Why in the world are you telling people to do this? And so let's go ahead and start it out with the quarterback position, right? Because we want to make sure that we're saving you guys as much fab as possible instead of just wasting it and then end up dumping the player later. And we're going to start the quarterback position with Taylor Henneke. Now, I like Taylor Henneke, and I do think that he has an advantageous matchup, but these next two weeks are brutal. And he's almost like a like a roster bomb is what I call him, which are players that, you know, you pick them up on waiver wires, hoping to play them, you start them, and then they absolutely crush your soul. And Taylor Henneke for me is one of those guys uh, moving forward. I don't like his schedule. Uh, he always gets out to a slow start. And the thing with quarterbacks to get out to a slow start is that's fine up against bad defenses because you can always recover up against good defenses. Uh, that's not ideal, but you can still put up some points. Like we saw with Henneke up against the bills, right? He ended up giving you a ton of rushing upside. He ran one in through for two, even while having two interceptions and losing the game by multiple touchdowns, but that was an okay defense, right? But then when you end up playing a defense, that is a very good defense who also doesn't run a ton of plays per game while your team also doesn't run a ton of plays per game. I mean, we're talking about 57.5 plays per game, which is in the bottom half of the league. I think it's like the bottom five. And both these teams are tied for plays run per game when it comes to the Saints and Washington. So you're going to have minimal attempts, right? You're going to have a good defense up against those attempts. And the chances are you're going to be down. So you're going to end up having to throw, which – that's normally great, but up against good defense, they can force turnovers. So now you're talking about negative points and a very capped upside. I do not like Taylor Henneke this week. And then after that, I think it's a buy. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, the Saints being second in the NFL in interceptions, I am off on Henneke. And if you're rostering to hope to play him this week, because maybe it could be a shootout, shootout up against New Orleans, it's a bad idea. And if you roster him this week and then the following week, you're not going to be able to play him for two weeks in a row. And this is a quarterback we're talking about, a, a position that you can stream in single quarterback leagues. Why waste your fab on this? And it's blowing my mind because all these industry experts are telling you to go out there and not only pick him up, but to throw a significant amount of fab at him and then start him up against New Orleans. I mean, excuse me. I know I'm not giving you much time to talk here, but God, it's blowing my mind. It's pissing me off a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, so his schedule upcoming is actually um, at home against New Orleans, at home against Kansas City, at Green Bay, at Denver, and then week nine is the bye. Okay, um, that's what it was. But, but still, if you look at his actual yards per game, 122 against the Giants, yes, 336. They're the Giants. Um, 212 and then 290 against Atlanta. I think his fantasy day was saved last week with that just – Superman play by McKissick. Yeah. I mean, he flew in the air for 10 yards and then still barely crossed the <laughs> pylon. Like 
don't get me wrong. I loved it because I did stream him last week because I have Tannehill as a quarterback. So it worked out for me, but I don't see lightning striking twice with him. So. No, I, I love that take. And I apologize. I was mixing up two different quarterbacks there, but either way, uh, Kansas city. Yeah. You can end up playing that matchup, but I'm going to sit here and avoid the roster bomb to pick up, you know, at this point in time, I'd rather go and spend fab on him after he's had a down week, which I believe that he has up against the saints and he'll still end up right back on waivers. And then you can play him up against Kansas city. If, if there's a team that's willing to take that chance, and go one and one because their quarterback didn't perform up against the Saints. Uh, let somebody else get that loss. But I'm going to go after somebody else that's going to be a lot more valuable. Uh, let's talk about one more quarterback, and we're on to the running backs and the big topic that everybody wants to know with Damian Williams. So we're going to hop onto that here in a second. But first, I want to talk about Jameis Winston because you had a great take on Jameis Winston. And although I disagree slightly, I can understand exactly where you're coming from. So I want you to, to come in and tell everybody what your thoughts are. So Jameis Winston – He's only rostered in 34.6% of leagues. Um, he His matchup kind of looks enticing. He's got Washington, then a bye, then against Seattle. But as far as fantasy points go, he just really hasn't delivered outside of week one. Um, I think New Orleans is really incorporating Taysom Hill, especially in red zone and goal line situations. Um, this week or last week, Taysom Hill played eight snaps at quarterback, but he found the end zone twice. So they they are definitely running up designed plays specifically for him to get into the end zone. And I'm not saying Jameis is a bad real-life quarterback, but that kind of just vulturing from Taysom Hill makes him makes me really wary of him. Yeah, and it's brutal. And it's something that we saw, you know, in the last few years with Drew Brees that definitely hurt Drew Brees' effectiveness in fantasy. But man, we talked about this prior to the show. I can't get over, I can't get over this schedule. Uh, the schedule is absolutely insane. Where did I put his schedule at? It's uh, it's something that like it, like I, I can't turn away from it. I mean, we're talking about opportunity after opportunity to perform up against great defenses, and the Saints' defense, which has been great so far, they've shown their holes. And Jameis Winston has been very efficient, although not great for fantasy purposes. He's been very efficient. He's had a 70, what was it, 74% completion rate, 70% completion rate. Uh, he had a little bit of a rough week at, in two of those different matchups. But, I mean, we can't expect Alvin Kamara to stay down this whole season, right? Like, he has to get back to somewhat being normal. Nothing happened to him. He didn't get injured. Sure, this this offense might have taken a little bit of a hit with Drew Brees going. But, I mean, really, they're just limiting Jameis Winston and his opportunities. I don't see that being the case moving forward. And as we look to get Michael Thomas healthy, you know, as we look to to get this whole offense back on track, I think that it all starts with Kamara in the receiving game, which we haven't seen thus uh, or so far this year. I do want to believe in Jameis Winston, but to sit there and have him be the waiver wire pick of the week is a little bit uh, baffling for me, especially when you're seeing like people saying put down 30% of your fab on a quarterback. Like that just makes no sense to me at all. None whatsoever. Well, and I like contingent bids too. Like Darnold's out there. Why don't you put down a little bit more fab on him? And then if you don't get him, put down a contingent bid on Winston. Like you don't have to go all or nothing on this. There, there are still options out there. No, I, I agree with you 100%. All right. The highlight of our show, let's go ahead and get into it. I'm going to let you start this one out. Take it, run with it, all yours. So my opinion on this is probably not a very popular one, but um, Damian Williams 
got banged up on Sunday. He is suffering a thigh bruise. Um, he has a favorable matchup this week against the Raiders, but after that, it's Green Bay and then Tampa Bay. Um, Tyreek Cohen can also come off the pup list in week seven. We don't know if he will yet, but he's eligible too. Um, and then I just don't know if he's going to play. And I also can't justify spending nearly as much fab on him as all of these sites are advocating for. Um, the Action Network is advocating between 30 to 50% of fab. Um, CBS is between 25 and 50%. And then you have other sites like Sports Illustrated saying to only spend 7%. So I'm not necessarily saying that he's a bad waiver pickup, but I don't want to pick him up at 50% of my fab, knowing that uncertainty still kind of just hovers over down the line. No, I mean, it, it, it blows my mind. Like you have Clue Herbert, right? who is going to be an aspect of this offense, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, he's going to be, because guess what? They went out and they traded for Jakeem Grant. Okay. Jakeem Grant, he returns kickoffs. The kickoff returner for the bears was, and maybe still be slightly Khalil Herbert. Well, why did they go trade for a wide receiver in Jakeem Grant when they already have guys that are speed guys, such as Marquise Goodwin, Darnell Mooney, et cetera. It's so that they can relieve Khalil Herbert from his job being a kick returner so he can step up and be the number two over there for the Bears. I mean, that's the reality of the situation is like they're creating, you know, or they're they're promoting essentially Khalil Herbert up to a spot and saying, hey, we don't want you to get hurt because you will be a valuable piece in our offense. So we're going to let somebody else do a less important job by re returning kicks. I mean, and Khalil Herbert's going to be a guy. Yeah, there's still this uncertainty around Chicago's offense, too. We don't really know how everybody's touting Williams as being this workhorse back now that Montgomery's out. But with that news that happened today, we don't know if there's going to be a snap share. Like, is he going to be the workhorse, especially with the bruised thigh? I mean, that can really slow you down as a running back. It can slow you down anyway, but especially as a running back. And how are they going to reconcile that with their play calling and their snaps? I just can't. Go try to pick him up, but don't break the bank for him, I guess, is why he's in a void. I'm talking about 10% tops. Like, I, I wouldn't go over yeah. 10%. I mean, I have Khalil Herbert. Uh, I actually have Khalil Herbert right now at 12%. I'll have Damian Williams at 10 for dynasty purposes. Obviously, dynasty being a little bit of a variant there. Uh, you know, in, in standard leagues, when you're talking about a guy maybe missing four or five weeks, I don't want to throw all that at him. Plus, I mean, his schedule, right? Do we have a schedule up? We have a schedule. Yeah. The Raiders, right? Great. Cool. Good matchup. One week. But then Green Bay. Green Bay has actually been good up against the run to an extent. Sure, you can run them from time to time, but they've been all right so far this year. In fact, teams that actually had to pass to the running back, which will probably be Khalil Herbert's role in this offense, Although Damian Williams will still see some targets, but teams have had to pass up against the Green Bay Packers because the Packers have been up in every week except for week one. Then we have Tampa Bay, which you can't run against. We have San Francisco, which you struggle to run against. You have the Pittsburgh Steelers, which you can't run against. You have a bye week. You have Baltimore, which they'll probably be losing and end up having to pass in that matchup as well. And then Detroit. But then you talked about, you know, before the show, Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen comes back. And when Tariq Cohen comes back, like – I mean, what role is, is Damian Williams going to have even then? Like, Khalil Herbert, what role is he going to have? Like, are they all going to be cannibalizing each other's touches? 
yeah, it's just too risky for me. I can't, I can't trust this offense and I can't really trust the uncertainty. Nope. I this agree with you 100%. All right. So let's go ahead and talk about the next guy who I don't even know why he's like, why he's in the conversation. I mean, this Dolphins backfield is like a mess. Like they just go with the hot hand, but there's never really a hot hand. So they just go with whoever doesn't suck. And I mean, it's like, would you ever feel comfortable starting Malcolm Brown? No, absolutely not. They don't, for one, they don't, they didn't really run the ball that much, even when Tua was quarterbacking and now they have Brissett. So they're running even fewer offensive plays. Um, they're also playing against Tampa Bay in, well, this week, which we just talked about. You can't run against Tampa. Um, Malcolm Brown only carried the ball eight times. He was the leading, well, he had the most carries of anyone out of that backfield. Um, to kind of put that in perspective, Ahmed had two targets and three carries. Like they just don't run, they don't run the ball enough, period, but they don't run enough offensive snaps to make him a viable fan fantasy option. So no, I, I agree completely on that. It's something that it just makes no sense to me. And I don't even think we need to talk about it, you know, any more than that. It's it's not there for me. I don't understand the whole Malcolm Brown thing. However, Samaji Piran, this one. I'm a little bit torn about, and I think it just depends on the fab that you're willing to put out for Samaj P. Ryan because Mixon might not even miss a week. He probably will. But, I mean, you know, him being week to week, I think day to day is actually more reasonable. And Samaj P. Ryan, even when he's in, he's not efficient. So what's your take on this? What's your spin? Yeah, I don't ugh, I don't really even want to deal with any of the Bengals' backfield, um, kind of the same as Miami. Um he only carried the ball. Well, he carried the ball three times for just seven yards against the Jags. And that alone should scare you off of him. Like, yes, I know that they were kind of playing, playing from behind a little bit, but um, he had one catch on like 13 offensive snaps. Um, I just can't really spend any fab on him. I think that, you know, the people who we mentioned earlier, like Gainwell, and um, Latavius Murray is still out there in 45% of leagues. Um, Brandon Bolden has a really great matchup this week, only rostered in 2.7% of leagues. I mean, there are just better options for you to go out and spend your fab on. No, I agree with you completely on that. It, it really makes no sense to me. Uh, you know, I actually have a gem coming up here very shortly that I, I'd like to discuss. And it's the same, you know, same offense. Been running back, same offense. So let's go ahead and hop over to the wide receivers. We have Randall Cobb. All right. What's your deal with Randall Cobb? Because Randall Cobb, for me, is actually a good one. And I like Randall Cobb. And we haven't disagreed much so far on the show. But Randall Cobb, I'm willing to go with. I mean, sure, MVS is out. But I don't think that affects Randall Cobb as much. Because Randall Cobb's not running, you know, flies down the, down the seam or anything along those lines. Uh, from the slot receiver position, he's staying underneath for the most part. I don't see Randall Cobb having a touchdown performance like he did before, but I don't think that he's a bad waiver wire pickup. If you're throwing a handful of bucks at him. I think if you throw a handful, he's probably fine, but everybody is um, chasing his touchdown upside, which he got two touchdowns last week. Um, there are also Valdez Scantling only had 16 targets in the three games. So there's not really much of a vacant target share. Um, 
And Cobb's facing Mike Hilton in week five, who's a top 20 slot corner in the league. So I think yeah. that maybe Lazard gets worked in and Devontae Adams has a bounce back week. I just think that there are a few more options at wide receiver that you can go for that are more consistent and have a higher floor than Randall Cobb does. I'm looking for Devontae Adams to have a monster week. I agree with you on that aspect. Mike Hilton is definitely a tough pickup, and maybe that's why you should actually fade Randall Cobb for one more week. For one more week, just fade him for a little bit and hope that he has a bigger performance coming up. Now, Josh Gordon, right? Josh Gordon, whoo, man, is he getting blown out of the water right now with these pickups or what? He got activated, so he is part of the active roster, but this guy hasn't been relevant in years, and even when he was somewhat relevant for the Seahawks back a couple years ago, like he – Gave you mediocre performances. I mean, he hasn't been good since, what, like 2016, 2017, maybe 2018 at the earliest, but I think it was like 2016 or 17. I mean, like, are you kidding me right now? Like, is this a an April Fool's Day type prank? Like, why is Josh Gordon flying up the the rankings for for getting rostered and, and the waiver wire pickups? Like, it makes no sense to me at all. Sure, he, the guy was talented. And sure, like he might still catch a few balls, but I mean, we see that the immense amount of targets of both Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey command, and they haven't had an issue in this offense so far this season. Josh Gordon is likely going to be the third or fourth read pending the play calling. Andy Reid, it's it, all about a scheme, right? It's all about getting players open. Josh Gordon is most likely going to be a decoy, a decoy more often than he is going to get his number called to be the primary target in this offense. Now, if that gives you a touchdown one week or another, great. But when are you going to predict that happening? What's your take on Josh Gordon? Because it just, I don't get it. It just makes no sense to me. No, he's going to be a boom or bust option. And I use the boom term very loosely because I don't see him getting used very often in this offense. Um, there's also a little bit concern about his, um, his physical shape. Like, sure, he's probably in shape, but is he in football shape you know not to mention he's only been in this Kansas City offense for a week there's just there's so many unknowns and just red flags everywhere I I really don't understand the clamor to get him on your roster no and sure maybe he has a good performance up against Buffalo right and, you know, Washington, sure, their defense sports, but they're not going to have to pass. So Patrick Mahomes might toss 30 balls just like he did this past week. Maybe three of them go to, to Gordon. That's not start-worthy. Maybe five of them go to Gordon. That's still not really start-worthy. Tennessee, same thing. I mean, Giants, same sort of thing. Green Bay, maybe the same thing. That could be more of a shootout. But, I mean, we don't have too many competitive games outside of maybe Dallas, maybe uh, Green Bay. Uh, sure, we'll give it to the Chargers, but the Charge defense is phenomenal. Like, it, will they ever have to involve Gordon to be successful in this offense? And I don't know if that's the case. I, I'm trashing Gordon. I don't see any reason or any way that you can predict which weeks you can actually play Gordon and which weeks you don't want him. I, it's going to be the majority once you don't want him, obviously. But, like, it, it just makes no sense to me. Like, when are you going to feel good rolling him out? Let him be a roster bomb to somebody else. Let somebody else pick him up and spend the fab on him and then let him put a goose egg up for those other people because we know that he's not going to be putting up 20 points a game. And, I mean, his upside pretty much consists of if he is – let's just say that he is good. Let's just say that he's really, really good, right, Britt? Let's just say that. 10 points a game, 12 points a game. Like that's the upside that you're looking at because of the target share that he's going to get. And that's flex at best. Like that's not 
going to go win you a league championship. It's no, not. So, exactly. It's blowing my mind. It's blowing my mind. Wide receivers are plenty. Don't spend your fab on a guy that's just going to be a blah at a prospect. But this guy's not going to be a blah prospect. And you and I disagree heavily on this one. We have Kadarius Tony, who's rostered in 4.3% of leagues. And I'm going to let you go and say your piece first because you said, hear me out. So I'm going to, I'm going to hear you out <laughs> first and then I'm going to counter. So it's not that I think that Tony is a bad player or that I don't dis or that I don't like this matchup against Dallas because um, outside of Trayvon Diggs, Dallas has allowed chunk play after chunk play in their secondary. Um, I just don't like the schedule going forward really against the Rams and Carolina Plus, there's a possibility of Shepard and Slayton returning sooner rather than later. That's kind of still all up in the air because up until, you know, a couple days before Sunday, they were still questionable. They hadn't said, no, they're they're a no-go. So I think that they come back sooner rather than later. And then it just raises the concern of how many plays are they going to draw up for Tony um, when Shepard's back in that slot role? Like, are they going to put Shepard outside are they going to keep him in the slot there's just too many unknowns um to blow a lot of fab on this well on Tony there is a lot of unknowns all right and maybe Sterling Shepard does sit for another week maybe whatever the case is but if if Slayton comes back right they're not going to pull John Ross to put him in the slot all that often they're going to leave Kadarius Tony in the slot if Shepard comes back but Slayton stays on the bench then Shepard will most likely get pushed to the outside where he's played last year under the same exact coaching staff. Meanwhile, that leaves Kadarius Tony on the inside. Kadarius Tony was scripted open on so many different plays. He even played quarterback on a play. He came across on a reverse, and he was playing quarterback on a play. Now, none of the other Giants wide receivers can ever get open outside of Shepard. You know, Kenny Galladay had a great game and all. But uh, obviously, Kadarius Tony had a little bit of a struggle with that. But they were scripting him open. There was one play where he came up, he, he – took about two yards like he was going out, and then he cut back to the middle. When he did that, the defensive back covered the flat like he should have covered. Meanwhile, the linebacker backed up and went with the wide receiver like he should have done, or the tight end, I believe, on that side. And then the center for the Giants actually pulled and got up the field a couple of yards, two or three yards. Meanwhile, Kadarius, Tony cuts back over the middle of the field and gets reception. The guard blocks for him. This is a third and 18. The guard blocks for him. And Kadarius Tony ends up following the guard, making some sick tricks, right? Like some, some of the sickest tricks you've ever seen, and gets his first down. Third and 18, right? He caught the ball two yards downfield and got 16 yards up the field in a bunch of traffic. This didn't happen one time. This actually happened on five of his six receptions. He got the ball behind the line of scrimmage on five of his six targets. Now, of those five, four of those... He ended up converting to first. Meanwhile, on his six targets, or the one that actually he didn't get behind the line, he also converted for a first down. So five of the six targets that he got, or the five of the six receptions, yeah, five of the six receptions that he got, he converted for a first down. Kadarius Tony is an absolute monster, and I hated him landing it in with the Giants. I could not stand him landing with the Giants. But Kadarius Tony is going to be utilized in this offense, and he's going to continue to do the sickest of all tricks, the sick tricks, bro, all the sick tricks, and he's going to continue to convert because he's a great football player. And his quickness is very reminiscent of if Lamar Jackson 
would have actually converted a wide receiver, then he would be Kadarius Tony. That's how confident I am in Kadarius Tony moving forward. And I think he's going to continue to see snaps. Now, sure, if Slayton comes back and Sterling Shepard comes back, then you might have to deal with a few things. But you know what happens with Sterling Shepard? He gets injured pretty often, actually. And Kenny Galladay, he gets injured pretty often. They're going to continue to develop Kadarius Tony. He's going to continue to get these, you know, these scripted plays where they design them for him. Now, some weeks it's going to be a little bit bummer because it's going to be five of them, and Daniel Jones is going to throw two into the turf, so he's only going to have three receptions, and that's really going to suck. But I think there are weeks that you can definitely play him like this week up against Dallas, and some other weeks with some of the easier competition, some or some of the tougher competition, including like the Rams. So Jalen Ramsey up against the Rams. That seems like a, a nightmare matchup because Jalen Ramsey's been playing the slot. However, Jalen Ramsey's been playing like a shortstop with nobody on base. He plays a little bit deeper, so the ball can't go over to his head, falling into you know the no man's land behind the safety. So while he plays deeper, he's been allowing certain. Uh, uh, slot wide receivers to actually garner tons of targets and tons of yards against them. The, the way that they're scheming him is he actually will fade to the outside. If he thinks a speed guy is going to the outside or going deep. Meanwhile, anybody that goes in the middle of the field is eating up against the Rams and that's Kadarius Tony area that he's been crushing it in. I just I think, love Kadarius Tony. I think that this is one of those arguments where it's um, talent over situation because Jason Garrett still is the offensive coordinator and Jason Garrett has a long torrid history of just ruining really talented players. And maybe I'm just burned because of all the years that Jason Garrett was in Dallas that I can't trust it to be consistent for what it is yet. Um, So yeah, it's not that I dislike Tony. I just don't think that I could, start him on a consistent basis and feel confident in it. I understand that, but I will say Jason Garrett has done a very good job with under-talented slot wide receivers, such as a Cole Beasley, right? A washed up Randall Cobb. Like he's actually made these players relevant for the amount of weeks when he didn't have any other options. Now that might hurt once it actually comes to that, but we've seen now Sterling Shepard is not a the, the most talented wide receiver in the NFL. Sterling Shepard's not a monster. Uh, when it comes to his talent level yet, he's been more than fantasy relevant because of Jason Garrett. He's actually very good at scripting open the slot wide receiver on a regular basis. So like I said, I think there's certain weeks that you can know when to play him. And like I would play him up against the Rams. I would play him up against uh, Dallas. But yeah, it, he's definitely not a starter every week. But if I if there's one wide receiver that I would blow my fab on, maybe not blow it on, but I would spend a, a decent amount on it. It would be Kadarius Tony, just because you can't deny that talent. All it takes is, you know, an injury or two like we've seen. All right, so we do have a question in the chat. Uh, David Goodman asks, drop Tannehill for Darnold. And I think that's an absolute yes, especially with the the talent level surrounding Tannehill. We saw what happened with the Jets. It can only get worse moving forward. Do you disagree or agree? No, I'm actually kind of debating the same thing myself. Um, In my Big Money Joint League, we drafted Tannehill, and um, that has not worked out very well. That's the league in which we played Heineke. This week, because we obviously knew Tannehill was not putting up those fantasy points that we needed to win. Um, And then if you look, let me see. Tannehill has a little bit of a rushing upside, but I don't think as much as as Darnold does. Um, Tannehill's got uh, Jacksonville this week, Buffalo, Kansas City, Indy, and then the Rams. I mean, his schedule's not terrible. Um, 
but then you have Derrick Henry. So it's like, are they just going to do the Derrick Henry show the entire time? Which I think probably Jerry they will. Nickel show, you mean, right? Well, We're that's a whole that other talk. <laughs> We're going to bring but him yeah. up shortly. I like Darnold over Tannehill for sure. I do too. Uh, we also have another question. This is not a search sit show. Um, I'm just going to hit this real quick just because I don't, we, it's Tuesday. We haven't had time to look at the matchups and, you know, break down all the stats, but uh, Darius Slay up against Corey Davis or Crowder up against, I don't even know who's playing the slot over there right now um, as of week five. So I'm going to go Crowder on this one. But once again, tomorrow we'll have all of our information prep for the starter sit show tomorrow at nine o'clock Eastern standard time. You guys can find us on youtube.com slash fantasy intervention or part of the group chat. All right. Robert, I see your question. I want to go ahead and finish this section up so that we can move on to the next one. As soon as we finish this section, before we jump into the next topic, we got you. We're going to cover tight ends real quick, though, uh, just because you have CJ Uzma, and I love CJ Uzma, and you obviously hate CJ Uzma, and I just want to know why you hate CJ Uzma. It's not that I hate him. I just think or that that Uzoma. was. I just think that it was a complete anomaly. Um, the first three weeks, he combined for five points on five targets um t higgins should also return this week and that receiving core is already pretty crowded um you just can't rely on that massive production that he had against jacksonville which was a, another very favorable favorable matchup to continue throughout the rest of the season when there are better options at tight end um on the waivers such as dawson knox and dalton schultz are still out there who are getting consistent volume and targets yeah, I um I really like Dawson Knox. I liked Uzma a lot last year, and that caused me to really like him this year as well. And so I just like him a lot. And don't listen to my advice because I can't back it up. All right, we also have <laughs> Mo Alley Cox, uh, who a lot of people dropped. It was kind of funny. I was watching the drop rates. Mo Alley Cox bombed last week. Like he completely fell face to the earth. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna go pluck. Malali Cox off a few of these waiver wires just to see what happens. Uh, he comes out and he had two targets. I'm sorry. He ended up having, I believe, what two touchdowns this past game. Uh, it's, uh, man, I like Moali Cox, but yeah, he's too touchdown dependent for me to actually spend fab on him. So, are you fading him in terms of fab? Are you fading him as a whole? What are your thought process on, on Moali Cox? I think I'm fading him as a whole, um, just based on his usage. Like I might play him in DFS, but when there are better options at tight end on the waiver wire. And let's be honest, tight end has just been a gigantic headache. But um, last week he played 49 of the Colts 71 snaps and he only ran 16 routes. So just based on that usage, I don't see him racking up enough fantasy points to make him a viable dynasty redraft, whatever option. Like, yeah, you can take a flyer on him in DFS. Absolutely. Go for it. But I don't like starting him in a season-long scenario. Yep, I, I agree with that 100%. I'm not spending any fab at him. That's why I said I went and plucked him off the waivers prior to him hitting waivers. So that way I would actually have – I plucked him off of the uh, the free agent pool prior to him hitting waivers. So that way I would actually have a couple of shares of him. And if he does hit great, if he doesn't hit great, uh, you know, I'm not spending any fab on him. So I don't want to do it either. So we're moving on to this next section called the free agent gems. And these are players that we're trying to tackle, we're trying to go after, uh, that nobody really knows about. So you can kind of grab them for fab for a little bit cheaper than what we're thinking, you know, they'll be in a week from now, or whatever the case is. They're, they're positioned to have a blow-up week. But before we do that, 
let's go ahead and get on to Robert Astori's questions because I promised that I would, Robert, and I'm here for you, man. I'm here for you. I'm here to help. I can hold your hand. We can discuss this, uh, you know, face to face. If you want to one day, just let me know. We'll go have a beat. But for now, we can actually just talk about it on the show. Thinking about picking up Dawson Knox and playing him. What are your thoughts? Also, do you think Mooney is worth a waiver claim? So we talked about Mooney earlier, and I think this is a lock. Let's go ahead and right. Mooney is definitely worth a waiver claim if he's out there on your, your waiver wires. He not only like outsnapped Allen Robinson this past, well, not only outproduced Allen out snapped Allen Robinson, and he's becoming a favorite target. Justin or Justin Fields throws a beautiful deep ball, and although I don't like the landing spot for Justin Fields playing for the Chicago Bears as of right now with Matt Nagy being the coach, and I was very very verbal on this throughout the entire offseason, uh, just because I don't like the offensive line, etc. I do think that Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields are a match made in heaven, waiting to explode once Matt Nagy moves on. It's beautiful because guess what? Like Darnell Mooney wasn't missed on one single deep ball this past week, which isn't not, that's not something we've seen since he came to the NFL. I mean, Nick Foles couldn't hit the broad side of the barn when targeting. He'd be open, completely open by 10 yards. And Nick Foles would throw it 10 yards in the opposite direction. It's like, what is happening over here? Now we have Justin well, Fields. And I don't know if you saw the next gen stats, but the way that they were using him and the types of routes that he was running were all over the place. Like it was great. Very, very different as opposed to Allen Robinson's routes run where they were only like 10 yards. Yep. But that's what Allen Robinson runs and everybody expects that. Meanwhile, Mooney just stretches out this, this offense. The key piece is how much pressure does the defense get on the quarterback because if they get a ton of pressure, we all know the Chicago bears offensive line can't stick. And we all know that Justin Fields, he can create yards. Sure. But we don't want him out of the pocket doing that. And especially trying to find Darnell Moody down the field and Justin Fields have time. Now that didn't happen in this week as we hoped for, but it happened often enough to where Mooney had a massive week. So yes, he's absolutely worth a waiver claim. Dawson Knox Dawson Knox is an absolute must pick up. You have a dynamic offense who spends the majority of time in the red zone, right? Like this is where they, they, they camp out They're They're going to sure Josh Allen didn't camp out there like the first couple weeks, but guess what? Now he's setting up picnics and he's hanging out with a glass of wine just in the red zone. Like that's his sweet spot. That's his go-to. When he takes a girl on, to, on a date, he takes him to the red zone. You know, like he's not taking her to a bar. He's going straight with the picnic basket to the red zone and his date is most likely going to be Dawson Knox. So, yeah, yeah, they're making eye contact the whole time. I know it. I know it. Um, I love Dawson Knox, but over Kittle is a question. Kittle did not look healthy this past week. He looked hobbled. He looked like almost like Zach Ertz looked last year, where he just was not getting open on his routes, on the contested balls. He wasn't going for it as, as often as what we've seen in previous years. And he also wasn't making his way back to the quarterback as often as I hoped for. Meanwhile, Trey Lance was only, you know, having these these love eyes for one person. And that one person was Debo Samuel. He's like, ooh, that connection. What's up, girl? But no, he it was it was Debo Samuel all day, and George Kittle just was not a part of Trey Lance's ideal, I guess, uh, play calling or uh, play situations. Excuse me. So I'm sitting there thinking that I want to see more out of before I start to think that he's an every week lock. Does that make any sense? 
Did I just completely lose you trying to, to make references towards red zones and uh and I no, and... no, not at all. But I think if you look at the consistency between Knox and Kittle, and after Garoppolo left the game, I don't even think Kittle got another target. Um, meanwhile, Knox has had 15 fantasy points and almost another 15, 20. And then he's got Kansas City and Tennessee coming up. So I kind of like Knox in these matchups. If you are just playing by matchups and not going just purely based on stud capability, things like that. I like, I like Knox this week over Kittle. I need to see a little bit more for Lance. Oh, and it hurts to bench Kittle. Cause you know, you put so much draft capital in him in your fantasy leagues, but um, by week five, you've got to go with the hot hand. And right now that's Knox. I believe he has a tough matchup too. Uh, like I said, Hey, Robert, like I know you tune in for our Wednesday shows anyways, but this is definitely going to be a Wednesday show question as to, you know, who you actually play either Knox or Kittle. I would definitely make a play for Dawson Knox though. Uh, Kittle still ran the most amount of routes that he's run the entire season. So he was out there. He just didn't look healthy while he was. The most encouraging thing, though, was that he wasn't being used in the blocking scheme because they probably didn't want to get him all banged up trying to block, you know, blitzing, uh, blitzing ends. But, yeah, I mean, Dawson Knox has a great matchup against Kansas City. We have George Kittle with an awesome matchup. Well, maybe not so awesome up against Buda Baker in Arizona. Robert, get Dawson Knox on your roster, and then we'll talk about – tomorrow whether you should play him over Kittle or not. You know Jacob and Shane are probably going to have every little thing to say. they got to throw their, their thoughts on everything. So we'll make sure we answer that for you. All right, the gem week, the roster pickups that we think are going to gain so much value that you're going to regret not picking them up the previous week. Let's start out with yours. So I have Kendrick Bourne um, for the Patriots. He's only rostered in 3.5% of ESPN links, which is kind of crazy to me. He hasn't made a lot of noise as far as, you know, the hot new thing. But when you look at his numbers, he's second on the team in targets behind Jacoby Myers in week four. He led New England in receiving yards in week three. Um, in week four, he played 36 snaps, but ran routes on 31 of them. And the Patriots only had 59 total snaps. So he's definitely a big part of this offense. Um, this week, he's going up against a really enticing matchup with Houston. Um, Houston's allowing 170 yards per game to opposing wide receivers. And in PPR formats, he's just kind of gold. You get those targets, it's as good as getting 10 yards, you know. Um, and I don't think a lot of people will be on him. So you can probably get him for little to no fab. No, I, I think it's a great concept. And I think it's something as we see Mac Jones progress, uh, we could see Kendrick Bourne start to accumulate some stats. And it's like, you know, why wouldn't you you make a play for it? Why wouldn't you end up targeting a guy who, uh, you know, was somewhat irrelevant because Tennessee didn't pass? And although New England doesn't pass a whole lot, he still has been out there, been on the field with a young quarterback who is still developing over time. So, yeah, I, I'm on with Kendrick Bourne. However, it's something I swear, if he doesn't do it this upcoming week, he doesn't show the same sort of, you know, numbers in terms of, in terms of route run, et cetera, et cetera. Like, yeah, I'll be off from that point. But for now, I don't understand why you wouldn't add him if you have a back-end open spot on your roster. Mine is going to be Chris Evans. And I'll talk about it all night with you, uh, you know, through text message and everything like that. So I'm sure you're, you're slightly curious as to, 
what the hell I'm talking about and why the hell I'm beefing up. Oh, this guy, Chris Evans, right? This guy, Chris Evans, uh, he's sixth, seventh round pick, late round pick for the Bengals. And, you know, he's somebody that people are like, oh, he's going to be the third down back. He's going to be the third down back. But like, dude, there's no way they're going to put a third down back in that's a rookie that's going to be responsible for blocking for a quarterback in Joe Burrow who just got hurt and ended a season, right? They're probably going to end up leaving in Joe Mixon. And we weren't really sure. And and as he progressed the preseason, okay, we're like, all right, all right, all right. It's going to be Joe Mixon. But just keep an eye out for this kid maybe after this year, maybe the, the following year. Joe Mixon's a great running back. But, God, there's got to be somebody that, that could be better in, in the receiving game. And we haven't seen that so far. Joe Mixon's been the main receiving back. However, Chris Evans, right, he's played nine snaps. On those nine snaps, he's received three targets, I believe, right? Is that number right? Do I get the right number in my head? I believe so. He didn't receive one this past week. I believe he had two and one. So that's 33% of the time that he runs route. I'm sorry, that wasn't the snap total. That was the route runs uh, total. 33% of the time that he runs a route, he actually gets a target. With those three targets or the three receptions that he's had, he's gotten 40 yards, 40 yards on three targets. This guy is beasting out, and now he's in an opportunity where if Joe Mixon does miss time, then we're talking about Samaj Piran probably being the first and second down back. Meanwhile, he's going to be the third down back. He's going to be the pass catcher out of the backfield. Who do they have this week? They have the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers, let's go back to it. The Green Bay Packers have the fifth worst dose score, which is dump off containment efficiency score in the NFL so far this year. Now they've played some pretty good running backs overall that are great at catching passes. Excuse me. However, they are still giving up a whopping like 12, I believe 11.8 fantasy points per game in the air to the running back position. That's just, just in the air alone. That's not talking about the rushing abilities. That's not talking about anything else. That's just talking about the points converted in the air to the running back, 11.8. We are talking about the Bengals, right, who have been playing very, very well as of late, but there's a good chance the Bengals are going to be down in this matchup or it's going to be a shootout. I don't see Green Bay losing big time or this being a low-scoring game. I think Cincinnati's going to have to pass at some point, most likely in the two-minute you know, offense where he should get a ton of opportunity if they have the ball during the two-minute offense but probably in the fourth quarter more so than not. Chris Evans is going to get an opportunity. And although I'm not saying that he's going to have a massive breakout, he's not going to have like a 20-point game. He can still give you flex production. And even if you don't want to start him, even if Joe Mixon plays, he's still going to get more opportunities than he's seen in recent history. And those could end up converting into big-time numbers and a massive increase in value. So if he ends up having a massive week, guess what? I'm flipping him. I'm trading him to somebody else. I'm getting him off my roster because it's not going to happen on a regular basis. However, if he ends up having good week, good week, good week, and Joe Mixon gets hurt again, just like he's done his entire career, we're going to see more weeks from Chris Evans. We are not going to regret rostering him because he will end up having one or two blow-up weeks where you will be able to start him. I'm telling you right now, like Chris Evans, if, if he hits, great. You're in the money. If he doesn't hit, that's fine. You can drop him and not have any regrets. Moving forward, Chris Evans is a gem. And if you have an open roster spot, you need to grab Chris Evans and put him on your rosters. I love it. I agree. I am a little worried about um, the durability of Mixon behind that line. Um, 
so yeah, I think even if he doesn't do just blow everything out of the water this week that cheers. he's yes. Cheers. <laughs> uh, are we right. going to uh, another one or are, yeah. are we? Yeah, we, we got time. So well, let's pick one out of these last two. Or we can hit them both really quick. I think let's just hit them both quick. We've, right, we can do go. a minute. Um, right, so I really like Jeremy McNichols for the Titans. Um, he's obviously not taking over Derrick Henry's role in the rush game. Um, but what I really like about McNichols is that last week he had 12 targets. Um, that's obviously without AJ Brown and Julio Jones, but they could miss a few more weeks. And then um, those little dump off roles are there for him. Um, he played only 36 of the 95 snaps, but he ran routes on 30 of the snaps that he did play. Um, so in the PPR format, I think he's just gold. Um, he's also going against Jacksonville, Buffalo, Kansas City, and Indianapolis the next four weeks. And he's sneakily the number 30 overall running back on the year. No, he's he's a gold mine over there. He's a gold mine. Jeremy McNichols is absolute fire. Yes, yeah, sure. He's only seen outside of you know this past week. He's seen nine total targets, but nine total targets, three targets a game. That's still something to call home about when Derrick Henry is your running back. And guess what? Running backs don't stay healthy in the system. I'm not saying that Derrick Henry won't stay healthy, but if you're a Derrick Henry roster person, like you have on your rosters, you need to also roster McNichols. And if you're not doing it, you're asking for, for punishment. Like you're glutton for punishment essentially, because if McNichols goes out, he's a top 20 running. I mean, I'm sorry. If Derrick Henry goes out, McNichols becomes a top 20 running back. Not just because of his rushing, I mean, his pass catching upside, but because he's actually a good player with solid skills and he will succeed in this system. And he's done it before. I'm looking at McNichols as an absolute like slam dunk this week. I don't even, I don't, I don't think he should have made it into our gems maybe, but he did because nobody's talking about nobody's him. Nobody's talking about him. It's kind of crazy. It makes no sense to me. I mean, AJ Brown, Julio Jones could still end up missing more time. And with this schedule, like they're going to have to pass up against Buffalo. They're going to have to pass up against Kansas City. And guess what? The Tennessee Titans are so beat up on defense. Jacksonville could actually have a good week on offense this week. They could. It's possible, which means that the Tennessee Titans are going to have to pass. Uh, I like McNichols a lot moving forward, and I don't understand why he is only rostered in, what, 3.5% of ESPN leagues. I got him last week uh, in a few different leagues that I have. I, I don't get it. Like, if, if you have a free spot, if you even if you have a spot that you're doubting right now, like, I don't even know if I want this guy on my roster. Why not throw McNichols on there? You want McNichols. Take McNichols. He'll give you more than just nickels. He'll give you dimes, baby. Oh, love Was it. Was that bad? Was that bad or good? I'll take I mean, it. I, I love dad jokes. I'll take it either <laughs> way. All right, the other one's Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert, uh, you know, we don't know what's the, the deal with Damian Williams. He's likely to play in most cases. We're just talking about what a thigh contusion, I believe. Is, is that right that I nailed that one? Um, yeah, thigh bruise. So Yeah. So Khalil Herbert might see an increased workload. You know, we already talked about him, right? Like I, I already brought him up earlier. They brought in Jakeem Grant to actually give Khalil Herbert the second running back job. They wanted to take a workload off him. So uh, Jakeem Grant is likely to return punts and kickoffs this upcoming week. Uh, Khalil Herbert will actually have a role in this offense. I don't know if it's going to be the third down back. I don't know if it's going to be the first down back. I believe it should be a situational third down back and a change of pace type back, but that remains to be seen either way. He should be picked up, especially if you know, you're 
you already have Damian Williams rostered in the league or somebody else does, and you're just trying to, to you know, turn up some uh, some spare change from somewhere. I like Lou Herbert. I'm on board. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Obviously, I was the one who put the Damian Williams in the avoid, so I'm all about Herbert. I mean, you can get him for very small percentage in the SFB, which, by the way, all right, so the Scott Fishbowl, right? The, the, I don't think I told you my story. I don't know if you saw it in our group chat. I go in, I'm down by three and a half points into the Scott Fishbowl last night. I have Carlson as my kicker. I'm like, oh, oh he'll, he'll crush that. Like, he'll get me at least six, eight points, like minimum. He goes in, he gets two field goals, right? Because they don't get in, get in in the first part. And then he ends up missing his 52 yarder. So I lose by a point and a half in the Scott Fishbowl, the biggest charity tournament in the world. No. But the worst part about it was I ended up taking or, uh, AJ Brown out of my lineup, but I forgot to hit the submit button because I'm used to using sleeper, not MFL. So you have to hit submit up at the top right. And I never did that. No. So AJ Brown was in my lineup and Logan Thomas, who got hurt on like the second play of the game. So I had I ended up still performing at a very high level and got within a point and a half. With two of my guys taking zeros and Daniel Carlson having probably the worst game of his uh, his entire career. Is this what we call a moral victory, though? No, because I lost to somebody in our chat. And yeah, like he's our guy that does our intro music. That's who I lost to is the guy that does our intro music. There are 10,000 people that play in this this contest. And I end up going head to head with the guy that does our intro music. And I lost. That's what's happening. Anyways. Thank you guys for tuning in. Britt, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Britt underscore Flynn. Um, you can find me on Fighting Chance Fantasy, doing weekly DFS articles. And then if I get a wild hair, something different every now and then. Um, and you can find me every Sunday morning on the Calm Before the Storm podcast with Kevin Tompkins and Gary Haddow. Absolutely love that. You've been a wonderful addition to the team so far this year, and we're very, very happy to have you over here on Tuesday nights doing this waiver wire show. I love our our new twist on it. Make sure you guys tune in next week, of course, same time, 8 o'clock Eastern time. Y'all can go check out all my content over there at FF underscore intervention on Twitter. Huge shout out to fantasy football discussion. You guys are killing it. And if you guys want to get a trophy from Trophy Smack, right, make sure you guys go in there, go enter in the code, right, because the trophies are epic, like the belts are epic. But go enter in the code CIRCLE. Make sure you have a ring and a trophy or a belt in there at the same time, and they'll actually give you that $60 ring for free. That's promo code CIRCLE. We actually have a huge thing going on with Trophy Smack. I'm taking over the content side. I believe we should have our first article promoted tomorrow. Uh, It's going to be big. It's going to end up being big. We're doing it with Cooter Doodle. We're doing it with Cody Carpentier and Mike Fiella, a.k.a. FF Daddy's Home. Daddy's Home FF. Either way, uh, we're, we're going to be exploding onto the scene with Trophy Smack over there. It's that the company that you saw from Shark Tank where all five sharks got in on it. Yeah, it's pretty big. So I'm very, very excited to actually hop onto that and to get started with them. Make sure you guys go check out trophysmack.com. Use promo code CIRCLE to get a free ring with your purchase of a trophy or belt. Thank you guys for tuning in. Britt, thank you once again for doing an excellent show, Sheep. And thank you guys for letting us interview with your fantasy football life. We're out. Thank you.